Yeah, very true. I think, you know, this whole aspect of funding uh, and that therein lies your point of your private uh, sector being allowed. You know, this problem probably will be much lesser if uh, private sector is willing to pump in funds. Hi, I'm Jaydeep Gupta, founder and CEO at Univariety, and you're listening to The Edge Show. Welcome to that show, a podcast where I sit with some amazing personalities from across sectors and borders to have meaningful conversation on topics that matters to us. Welcome back. Today, we have a very special guest with us. He is a well-known entrepreneur, an investor, an amazing author who has authored some amazing books and one of his books on business strategies titled Born to Baba received rave reviews and was listed by Amazon in its prestigious list of memorable books of 2018. He is someone who has served on the boards of various flagship organizations including BNP Paribas Asset Management, IDBI Bank, Maya Entertainment and more. He was the chairman of Confederation of Indian Industries for Western Region and was the man behind one of the largest skill development organizations in the world as CEO and MD of Aptech Limited and currently sits on the board of Aptech along with many other organizations. He is also a partner in Indian based venture capital firm 100x.vc. He is Ninad Karpe. Hi Ninad, welcome on the show. Delighted to be on the show. Nina, first of all, congratulations for writing such an amazing book, Born to Baba. It has actually done wonders. I believe this is the second year of the book. It is. Uh, you know, it was uh, actually inspired when I saw the movie Skyfall of James Bond. And I was uh, so taken aback with the fact that, uh, uh, you know, the character of James Bond was reinvented so much. And can you imagine uh, that led to... Uh, you know, various uh, uh, insights into business strategies and analogies. And uh, so the first chapter is on James Bond, that's why Bond, and how the characters reinvented and how Skyfall became so successful and the need for each business to reinvent. And the last chapter is on Baba and how they are getting into business. So that's why Bond to Baba. Great. Sounds exciting. Ninad, we both know each other for a very long time and I've seen the work you have done in skill development space while spearheading Aptech. Can you share a little brief about your journey in the skill development space? So Aptech was a very interesting experience. I am uh, still a director. I am no operational responsibility. I was CUMD for seven years. And uh, it is a very interesting business because of a couple of reasons. It's a listed company, of course. It's the only brand probably in, from India, consumer brand, which is there in more than 20 plus uh, uh, emerging countries, so 27. So Aptec and Arena are very strong brands in Vietnam, in China, uh, in uh, Russia, in Nigeria. And I've had the privilege of traveling to this country. So to build a consumer brand, which is service oriented uh, from India uh, in so many emerging countries on a franchise model in education, uh, and seeing lives of uh, young girls and boys uh, totally change because of uh, the education that they get uh, was truly rewarding. Uh, the main thing was, uh, important part was how do you give consistent education 
across so many centers and how do you ensure that at the end of that course the young girl or boy uh, got a decent job and changed the livelihood for her and uh, him and their family the way skill development was mushrooming back then when aptech or similar institutions came to existence was actually a time when we had little or no understanding of technology and now that our younger generation is getting more equipped with the technology and that they have already started learning technology at a very young age don't you feel that our government should formalize the skill education system for schools rather than making it informal i agree with you 100% himanshu you know uh, today uh, coding is treated as a new english uh, and uh, kids as young as class 4 also want to learn coding class 5 and they are delighted to learn and see the magic of uh, code uh, and see it in front of their eyes so i'm just giving one illustration of how uh, it has reached that level uh, and it can happen for everything you know just not coding uh, but yes at uh, it has to start i think you know probably a 6th onwards is the right time to expose uh, kids to some bit of uh, these kind of other vocations oh yes well you know coding has actually picked up really well but it is not just about coding as skill education or skill development has a lot of other areas to be put under consideration and now that many startups are mushrooming to teach various skills don't you feel that it is high time that our government should also uh, you know take this under consideration and formalize the entire skilling ecosystem keeping schools or higher education systems True. in mind uh, the hopefully the new the sunrise in this whole horizon is uh, the new education policy which is actually specifically spoken on this issue it has suggested that schools should uh, co-opt with uh, uh, local vocational education institutions itis and get them to interact uh, with the kids so let's hope it happens soon let's hope that you know well i truly believe that the national education policy will correct our past but i'm still a little skeptical about how it will impact our future let's remain optimistic uh, himanshu you know implementation will always be a challenge as you know it is not just about implementing a policy for once it is actually a 20 year long plan and do you think that whatever we will be implementing uh, you know 5 years down the line will be relevant at that point in time right no i agree with you and i am not in disagreement but i still remain optimistic that at least now we have a fairly comprehensive broad framework and within that framework uh, obviously implementation you know very diverse country like india where education is on the concurrent list uh, you know has its own set of challenges i don't think uh, these challenges are uh, more complex in any other country uh, but given this challenge at least uh, broadly there is a framework and hopefully within that framework whatever we can chip year by year month by month day by day uh, week by week uh, is good Nina you are one person who is always optimistic and you also believe in simplifying complexities in the entrepreneurial journey do you feel that we should also simplify education structure by allowing corporate to enter into the formal uh, education delivery domain maybe by allowing them to establish school colleges or universities or as how you would say allowing alexander to fill in the gap <laughs> <laughs> true true so i you know i am a believer in uh, allowing uh, private sector uh, in social sector uh, on a in a proper framework manner in a proper box uh, with uh, light regulations 
Now, let me further elaborate. You know, uh, the social sectors in India, healthcare, education. Let me go to another example uh, in defense. We have seen in the recent four or five years, uh, the government, and rightly so, I am in full agreement and uh, support the view, that they have allowed private sector participation. In fact, they are encouraging with obviously its own precautions and uh, regulations. Healthcare, they have allowed. You know, financial services, uh, massive uh, uh, liberalization with, you know, foreign companies coming into insurance, uh, you know, which at one point of time was considered a, you know, tough uh, sector for, for allowing foreign companies. Education remains the last bastion. It's a bugbear. Uh, I don't think there's unanimity uh, in opinion and policy on this. Uh, it has to emerge and it should emerge. I think if you have proper uh, regulations, it will happen. The new education policy has made one or two references saying that private people with philanthropic uh, uh, pursuits, uh, so obviously not-for-profit, should be allowed. It has also made some reference to foreign universities, uh, but obviously the reference is that they come to India, select universities, and also... Uh, you know, keep their money in India. Let me also add, I have been, uh, you know, I have been lucky to travel to many countries. Uh, Education in no country is an open uh, sector. So you just can't go as a private person and uh, get into formal education, let's say. Uh, Vocational where Aptec uh, plays a role is uh, fairly light in most countries because people want this. Uh, so it's not the case that you know other countries have totally liberalized and we have not. But there's a strong case, and I agree with you, uh, given the complexity of the problem in India and the urgency to have good quality education for our young girls and boys, the need to allow uh, private sector uh, in a properly controlled manner. The way our government has recently opened up its doors by allowing private universities to enter into India, don't you feel that we should be taking similar steps at the school level as well? So, you know, education is a concurrent list, but by and large, state and center have always had peace for many years by states generally controlling school education and center generally controlling education after K-12. And, you know... Uh, states can do it. So it's up to the state to allow uh, private sector. Uh, you know, no state has openly allowed. Uh, but yes, uh, as long as it is uh, in a trust format and it's in a not-for-profit format, uh, private sector can enter uh, in many states, if not all the states. You know, well, I am of a thought that education is not just a noble cause. But it is an industry in itself and by allowing privatization, it will not just bring in quality of education and the services that the education institutions are offering, but it will also allow us to bring in foreign direct investments or FDI in this space, which may even help us create much better you know, education institutions. The key word, Imanshu, in what you said is quality. Uh, what is more important? Control, uh, allowing private sector, quality. If you say quality is the first and most paramount factor, then you then you start allowing uh, FDI, you start allowing private, uh, all of that can happen. But if you flip the thing and say, no, uh, control is more important, then obviously other things. Uh, so I think there's a need to flip uh, this uh, question. There's a need to flip 
and understand the other side uh, from policy de- policy decision making perspective the resources that our kids are getting today uh, were not available during our times and i feel that we still have a long way to go don't you feel that the privatization will actually allow our institutions to focus on quality and services the way we have seen with other industries so uh, you know in india we have uh, all formats there is a public education there is a pure private education and uh, in some shape or form there has been a ppp formats in uh, uh, various initiatives so uh, you ask for a flavor and it is there except for pure for profit private education except for that uh, one segment uh, which you know obviously i hope both of us see it uh, soon but uh, leaving that we have all the other segments uh, playing out in india and each has its plus and minus points uh, uh, and we have seen it play out over the years one thing which i have seen in the last couple of years is that how edtech industry is mushrooming in india and globally and one thing which i have seen is that the majority of the edtech entrepreneurs who get into this particular space are not from education industry background and hence they fail to understand some critical challenges in the education but this privatization may actually be the key to enable our education institutions to get into edtech space the way mit and harvard have co-created edx so there are two parts to this so one is i mentioned earlier coding is the new english uh so to get into edtech unless uh, you know coding it is not very easy uh so that's number one number two is education sector uh, you know has been a laggard has been slow in adapting to uh technology uh you know bfsi always is in the front line on the other hand as a general uh, observation i'm sure there are a lot of uh, exceptions and good exceptions but they have been slow If so if they have been slow in accepting adopting technology it is impossible or rather not impossible rather difficult for them to uh, have technology led education initiatives so dna does not allow that when that does not uh, allow that it is not uh, it is a good thing that uh, you know people who have uh, coding skills or tech skills come from outside have fresh look so the best way to do it is to have collaboration between the two uh, domain experts of education and people with tech experience uh, who can uh, you know put technology layer on top of the domain experience and what are your views on empowering kids with entrepreneurial education kids are very excited with startups uh, they you know really want uh, uh, startups uh, to do uh, well uh you know i always give this example of going to colleges and uh, you know the period last 8 10 years i have been to many colleges uh, just two days back i had a talk with some couple of hundred students from kolhapur just as an illustration but to cut a long story short 10 years back if i asked college students whether engineering mba arts commerce science how many of you want to become startup founders probably 10% 15% raised their hands the balance 85 90% look at them strangely saying what is what are these kids up to but now it's reverse 80% raise their hands want to become startup founders balance 20% say that we will work for 2 years and then uh, go to startup so uh, the demand and the uh, aspiration of the kids is huge uh, and uh, you know it is for us to ensure that we meet this aspiration should we teach it at school level college level you know it can't be just a subject taught it has to be an entire thought through program 
where we expose them to business leaders where the schools colleges call uh, alumni uh, from their alumni uh, all famous entrepreneurs who have done well to give talks colleges should embrace uh, openly incubation process mentorship by professors accelerators so if it is done uh, rather than a textbook style teaching how to do business uh, it can work and i was actually about to say the same thing that we should be giving our kids the exposure of different industries and professions while they are still in school absolutely and uh, the right person to tap is within any institution tap the person who has uh, you know can be inspiration for the rest tap girls who have done uh, well in careers and uh, professions and business uh, give inspiration and you will find uh, a lot of people and today because of online technology uh, no one says no to sharing thoughts with students because you don't have to travel it's on online and covid 19 has actually speed up the process absolutely absolutely all the educational institutions which were still working with their rudimentary thought process they have also shifted to technology absolutely absolutely don't you feel that other than uh, the technology and entrepreneurial skills we should also teach finance and money to our kids as this is a very crucial area and this area has a much bigger gap to fill as uh, we still don't teach money management to our students so you know even a rudimentary skill like like we have you know programs at senior levels finance or non finance people where they just teach basic absolutely essential uh, when i said coding is a new english understanding basic finance is also very critical uh, uh, the last thing a person does is you know i am great engineer i know great coding i can do this uh, business but i don't understand what is abitta what is gross margin uh, it is tough to run a business like that it has to be taught and these things can be taught in a classroom uh, finance Uh, uh fundamentals can be taught and why just fundamentals when we see how ecosystem in the western countries are mushrooming and how educational institutions are gearing up to provide every single resource or opportunities to the students then why can't we do that agree let's start with fundamentals and then move on from there <laughs> <laughs> and this may also enable our education institutions to support our startups maybe by involving and evolving the startup ecosystem uh, by providing them with the seed investment i am very very optimistic about startups you know india will become the global hub for startups in education for certain and overall there is a massive opportunity for startups in education the system needs lot of innovation uh, innovation can happen uh, only with uh, young girls and boys how do the startups uh, they need to be nurtured ideas of these founders are fragile uh, they require uh, to be nurtured and helped and mentored uh, and if they are mentored properly they can certainly be successful and don't you feel that we as entrepreneurs or investors should join hands with educational institutions and help empower the right entrepreneurial spirit in these students and support them in their startup journey right from their schooling days or college days investors should do what they are best at uh, which is invest money Uh, and ensure that the company grows uh, if uh, you distract yourself uh, too much your basic uh, uh, your basic thing which you are good at may get diverted but yes i think you know you and me or another investors are always open to giving uh, talks sharing ideas sharing knowledge is not a problem beyond that i think uh, commitment of too much time will distract investors 
but because we are certainly sharing knowledge uh, is critical important and we should do it and you know one thing which i have seen in the developing countries like india vietnam or maybe other similar countries where aptech is already working that in these countries we have seen that these schools are struggling for their own survival and now in a scenario where educational institutions are struggling for their own survival then how can we expect them to deliver quality education yeah very true i think you know this whole aspect of funding uh, and that therein lies your point of you know, private uh, sector being allowed you know this problem probably will be much lesser if uh, private sector is willing to pump in funds uh, if you are doing it on a, a not for profit charity basis uh, education uh, always remains uh, sorry funding and uh, always remains a challenge uh, so you know in the developed countries uh, some large institutes and old institutes have perfected the art uh, in a very very organized manner of tapping alumni to ensure their future uh, growth uh, by funding uh, and it is not a one off thing of fundraising it's a very well oiled uh, uh, communication platform and engagement platform with people who have passed up and there are other challenges as well and now i am talking from the investment point of view now educational institutions work within the highly regulated framework and hence the scope of growth is not that high and hence it creates a lot of hurdles when the institutional management approach private investors or firms for investment as investors don't see it as a profitable venture yes true but there's a growing trend of uh, decline in people going to free public schools or government schools uh, i had never imagined seeing a front page ad on leading newspaper from the local government schools advertising that our kids have got x percentage marks uh, in the last class 10 exams uh, and they are feeling the pressure of uh, kids leaving or declining enrollment because of quality of education uh, and it's a good trend in the sense that they should feel the pressure because ultimately it's not just about free it's about quality uh, so there is a growing trend and demand and you know parents are willing to really spend lot of money for kids education particularly starting from school level uh, and they are demanding good quality uh, that i'm not saying government schools cannot deliver good quality we have exceptions you know i have read case studies of uh, schools in delhi uh, some schools in bombay uh, government school which are delivering uh, truly good education uh, the whole uh, the whole equation needs to be changed but yes uh, uh, you know the first step in india was to ensure that uh, education reaches out uh, in the uh, corners in, uh, of india everywhere the next step is now quality uh parents and kids are not saying just send a kid to school i want quality i have always seen private investors or even some vc firms investing in school or higher education space in western countries and i always wonder when such investment opportunities be easily available in developing countries uh, yeah so uh, for vc to enter into very highly regulated space uh, vc generally enters only if there is exit possibility so that if it is not very easy it is difficult directly in a formal space but there are a lot of adjacent spaces you know we have today uh, india is uh, has the world's number one uh, tech company in terms of valuation uh, and uh, massive vc investment and we are seeing a lot of uh, investments in tech so these are all surrounding spaces uh, not formal education 
which is a good trend. It's a good trend because it is supporting innovation in that uh, space. Uh, it is, a, you know, it is actually uh, getting a lot of investment, not just from India, from outside India. It's a non-formal space of education. Do you feel that investors or angels or VCs should venture into educational space? Well, I mean in school and higher education institution space. You know, I remain optimistic it will happen soon. Uh, I have been to international conferences and, you know, even some of the very, very tough countries in Africa also have allowed uh, uh, private education. You know, I know of a model of a dollar per day uh, school education and uh, it's phenomenally successful with a chain of schools in Africa. Uh, high quality uh, given, you know, in a process manner on a dollar uh, per day. Uh, it is possible and I'm sure it should happen soon. And Inad, I also remember a model that you were talking about during our last discussion wherein students can study for free, that too in a private education scenario. Can you elaborate on that? True, there's a, uh, you know, institution called 42, which is in, uh, started by Peter Thiel, he's a French billionaire. Uh, he's uh, given a grant to this institute. They just teach coding uh, and, uh, you know, they take, Thousands and thousands apply every year and they take a couple of hundred. Uh, you go to that institute, there's no classes, there's no time. Uh, you come, you collaborate, you meet your friends and you do coding. It's uploaded. Uh, and uh, as you keep doing more and more coding, it gets tougher and tougher. And in two years, three years time, you're ready and you get a job. And the best part is there's no fees. Uh, it's entirely driven because of the uh, grant with that billionaire's doing. He started again also in US as well. Wow, that's exciting. But don't you feel that teaching one particular subject area may actually create hurdles at a later stage as the students may not be aware about the other areas? True. So this is more at the master's level. Once you've had a graduation and you want a specialized skill. Uh, so at that level, uh, it is there. Uh, you know, coming back again, uh, about uh, this dollar per day kind of uh, model which I was telling you. So in healthcare, we have seen affordable healthcare happening in a very processed manner. You know, you have the famous uh, story of eye healthcare uh, being delivered, uh, you know, in across the country and started in South uh, at a very affordable rate with very, very sharp processes, you know, very strong processes. Uh, so I believe that model can work, you know, uh, if it's worked in healthcare, if, uh, you know, something is working in Africa, uh, why can't it work in India? It can, but it is driven by a private motivation you know, uh, of uh, driving it hard. Oh, I, in, in that case, I will surely go back and study about 42. And I believe that we as developing nation will also see certain relevant changes in our education space. And we will head towards the privatization in the right format. So obviously the government has to do a lot of strategic framework in order to allow privatization in education space. Keeping the same in mind, uh, we also see that today our youth also wants to move out of the country for higher studies. Will it change the trend? So this will change the trend because of COVID and the fact that a lot of it is going online. My belief is uh, fundamentally uh, a lot of people will do online sitting from India and a small portion of that being on campus. Uh, so good quality education will become more affordable. And it actually is an interesting opportunity for the best uh, universities in India and teachers in India to offer the same to in a reverse manner. 
uh, to students outside India. It just requires a broader vision uh, and uh, an ability to think of going internationally. Uh, you know, today our best universities, and we do have very good universities and teachers, have not leveraged probably or uh, have had not had the uh, opportunity to leverage uh, their strengths uh, internationally. So if Aptech can do it, why can't the best universities? As simple as that. And now that COVID has also speed up the process of online education and self-learning, don't you feel that with this, our schools should also get into the online teaching mechanism wherein they can also tap desired students from other states and countries? Uh, you know, probably at the school level, uh, it is. Uh, it might take some more time. They have embraced this new reality very well. Uh, but to get uh, students from outside at the school level, uh, I would be a little hesitant. Uh, it may be possible, you know, across 10th, 11th, 12th uh, uh, area. But uh, below that may be tough. Having said that, uh, the CBSE as a board uh, and uh, its uh, reach internationally is there, not as much as I would like it to be. I fundamentally believe there's a big scope for a board, probably like CBSE or any other board, uh, which can be the standard uh, for uh, emerging countries uh, and have a uh, and if that happens that will then encourage uh, the rest so we do have ib we do have igcse we do have some international uh, standards and boards for school education uh, the time is ripe to have a similar thing from india uh, uh, for across the world specifically targeting aspirations of developing countries and emerging countries. Uh, and CBSE is there. Uh, they have a fantastic course. They are very dynamic in their approach. Uh, it's an opportunity waiting to happen. And don't you feel that the online education will be the next big thing after the campus-based learning mechanism? So I had written an article uh, where the title was uh, Geography's History. And uh, the whole base of the article was that uh, geography does not matter now of uh, location of uh, educational institution uh, and one can get the best education sitting anywhere in the world. Uh, I agree with you 100%. It's a game changer uh, for the education sector and it will change permanently a lot of uh, the old facets. Well, which means that the campus-based learning mechanism may deplete if not fading away completely. Yeah, it will lose its sense of importance. Uh, obviously, social interactions are critical, uh, needed. Uh, but instead of having 100% campus, probably the percentage will keep declining. And with this, it's time to say goodbye to you, Ninal. Thank you for taking our time for this meaningful conversation. Thank you, Manshu, for inviting me to this show. Uh, you know, it's brilliantly crafted. Uh, it's a need of the hour. And it's something I'm looking forward to listening to other episodes as well. Thank you. I hope that you all have enjoyed listening to this conversation with Ninath Karpe. If you have liked this conversation, then do rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it in your network. And we will meet again in the next episode with another amazing guest. Thank you for listening to The Ed Show. You can now listen to the same podcast on Apple and Google Podcasts or you can watch it live on YouTube. And I'll see you in the next episode. Till then, stay safe and stay happy.